handful of verses to open. We're going to start in verse number 15, all right? And we're going to read down through verse number 17. The Bible says there, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Well, we began this last week. We're going to finish the, uh, the uh, chapter this week. And this important title, Encouragement for a Discouraged Heart. We, uh, we go through life discouraged at times. We go through seasons of discouragement. Peter was very discouraged. Peter felt like a failure. And Peter needed the Lord to come along and help encourage him in a place where he was very low. And uh, this chapter here I have turned to a number of times when I was discouraged and felt great encouragement from it. Let's pray tonight. We'll review what we covered last week and then we'll, we'll look very closely at these verses we just read a moment ago. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Thank you that it has all of the answers to all of our problems in life. And thank you that it is a healing balm for hurting hearts. And Lord God, tonight, I don't know what everyone here is going through, but I know all of us either need this right now or we will need it here in the near future. And so, Lord God, I want to just give you my vocal cords, speak through me to your people. And Lord, may each person leave here tonight encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Peter was uh, in a pretty bad place. He, um, the Lord had risen. The Lord had already appeared to the disciples twice, uh, Peter being present both times. And even after that, Peter was still discouraged. Peter did not feel qualified. Peter did not feel as though he belonged. Now, the key word there is the word Feel. He did not feel like he was qualified. He did not feel like he was worthy. But I just want to say tonight that none of us serve God because we are qualified. Amen? And none of us serve God because we are worthy. How many here like me, and if everyone knew about the worst things you'd ever done in life, some people would probably put some distance between you and them if they really knew you're worst moments of your life and the worst thoughts that you've ever had and the worst things you've ever done or uh, the worst things you've ever been involved with. And listen, we all have things in our past that we'd rather not talk about. We'd rather not have people know. And listen, uh, if all of us were going to be put up on whether we're qualified to love God and serve him, None of us would be qualified to do it. Not a single person is worthy to serve God. We don't serve God because of a feeling. We serve God because He's worthy and because He's faithful. 
But Peter here was so drunk on his own emotion that he was not able to see clearly. He was disoriented. He had gotten himself quite sideways. He was discouraged. And let's see why. Number one, we see Peter's resignation. Peter quit. He just up and quit. Look at with me at verse number three. This is a review from last week, but quickly look here with me. It says, Simon Peter saith unto them, look at that next phrase, I go a fishing. He quit. He went back to his former life. He was a fisherman before Jesus called him. And because he had failed the Lord, uh, now he was going back to that which he had done. He resigned from his work for the Lord and went right back to fishing. Letter A, we see his failure, his failure. How did Peter fail? Well, uh, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, warming his hands over a coal fire there outside of uh, Jesus' uh, place and being tried by the Sadducees. And lo and behold, a little girl asked him, are you, uh, are you one of Jesus' disciples? And he said, no. And then a kinsman to Malchus asked him, are you one of Jesus' disciples? And he said, no. And the third time, uh, your speech gives you up, Peter. And he began to curse and swear and said, I know not the man. And after that third time, what happened? The rooster crowed, the cock crew, the Bible says. And there Peter was, just as Jesus prophesied, denying the Lord three times. The Bible says that he went out and wept bitterly. He failed. He blew it. Matthew 26 lays that out for us. How he went out and wept bitterly. He knew that he had he had let down the Lord. Letter A, we see his failure. Letter B, we see his friends, his friends. And we looked at the verse that says, No man liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. Look with me at verse number, let's see here, um, uh, verse number two. Verse number two. It says there, There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and Two other of his disciples. If you add all that up, counting Peter, there's seven of them there. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. You quit, we quit too. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Last week we went through John chapter 6 and Matthew 16, looking how that Peter, by the Lord himself, had been promoted to leader of the disciples. And so Peter now is in a place of influence and Peter is discouraged. And so uh, the disciples are discouraged. And Peter quits and goes back to fishing. And these seven disciples, six rather disciples, quit and go with him. And uh, when you make harsh decisions taking you in the wrong direction, other people are affected by that as well. We see his failure. We see his friends. Let her see. We see his flesh. His flesh. Look at verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loveth saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him. Look at that next phrase. For he was what? Now, in the southeast, you'd say he was naked. Amen? He was naked. He was naked. He was naked. And did cast himself in the sea. Now, does that mean he was in his birthday suit? Probably not. What it probably means, he was out there without his shirt on. He's fishing away with no shirt on. And uh, he wasn't wearing a whole lot. And I made the point last week that when people backslide and run away from the Lord, one of the first things they do is they change the way they dress to be more immodest, to be more out of line with uh, 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 the way we ought to be. Our body is a temple. 
that hosts, that holds the Holy Ghost of God that lives within. And we are to adorn our temple in a way that is appropriate and not adorn our temple in a way that is provocative. And I know women get uh, uh, this, get bear the brunt of this kind of preaching where, you know, a pastor will stand up and say that, you know, you women, uh, you need to put some clothes on. But the truth is, I've seen some men that need to put some clothes on. It wasn't a woman here that was naked. It was a man here that was naked. And Peter was sideways with the sideways with himself and uh, in, in essence backsliding from the Lord. And what did he do? He went and he took his clothes off. And we see here that Peter was in the flesh, he had resigned, he had quit, he had walked away, and as a result, he's taking his friends with him, and as a result, he's now living in a state of carnality. Number one, we saw Peter's resignation. Now, I made the point last week, I'll quickly make it again here, that a lot of people quit on God, not because they're disappointed with God, but because they're disappointed with themselves. I've seen a lot of people who went to this church who are not in this church anymore, they're not in any church right now, and they're not bitter at God, they feel as though they blew it and they are not worthy to go to church. And let me just remind everyone tonight, White Oak Baptist Church is not a museum where you come show off how good you are. It is a hospital where the sick get the medicine of God's Word. And so if you are failing in the Christian life, this is the perfect place to be because we're here to give you the healing balm of God's word and help put you back on your feet. Number two, we saw number one, Peter's resignation, uh, resignation rather. Number two, we see Peter's reminder, Peter's reminder. Now, the Lord is very carefully going to remind some Peter, uh, remind Peter of some things here. We saw letter A, we saw Peter's reminder of his life priority, of his life priority. Look with me at verse number four. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. Now here he says net. The passage we looked at in Luke 5 last week, Jesus said net. I'll get to why he said net in a moment. Cast one net uh, there, all right? And uh, they cast therefore, and now, verse 6 says, they were not able to draw in for the multitude of fishes. Now, Jesus is not trying to teach Peter and the disciples a lesson about uh, how much faith they do or don't have. Jesus is trying to remind Peter of his calling here. Remember, uh, we looked in Luke 5 that uh, when, uh, when Peter was called into the ministry, into the work of the Lord, he was told by the Lord, cast your nets into the water, Peter said, uh, uh, we've been fishing all night. We've not caught anything. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net and, uh, and we'll do it. And he put one net down in the water. And what happened? It filled up with fish. So much so that they had to have another boat come over and help them get that net out because the net was breaking and going to pull the boat down. And, and now here they are again. Peter's backslidden. He lets that net down in the water and it instantly fills up with fishes and the Lord is saying, remember, Peter, remember when I called you, remember your life priority is not to catch fish. It is to catch men. I've called you to catch men. The Lord didn't come in rebuking and yelling and screaming. And uh, no, the Lord came in with love. The Lord came in with a gentle, sentimental reminder. Letter A, reminder of his life priority. Letter B, Peter's reminder of the Lord's power. Of the Lord's power. Uh, now, I made the point last week that uh, Peter was out all night fishing and he caught nothing. 
all night fishing and he caught nothing. And then when the Lord says, let your net down, then he caught the fish. Why? Because the Lord has the power over the universe. You know, you can't do anything without the Lord's permission for you to do it. You get in that vehicle and you go for a drive. It's the Lord's permission that you're able to do that safely. He's the one that gives you the mental acuity to do that. He's the one that gives you the coordination to sit behind the wheel and steer. Uh, You go to work and you work your job. Whether you use your brain or your brawn, you do so because the Lord has equipped you and given you the power to do it. Here, Peter is going against God's will for his life. And he's having to fight against an all-powerful God to do it, but then we saw letter C, the Lord's reminder to Peter of his provision, of the Lord's provision, and what happened? He lets down that net, and 153 fish come jumping in that net because he is the master of the seas. He is the master of nature. He decides when we succeed and when we fail. And uh, last week I talked about how some people say, Well, I can't go to church on Sunday because I've got to go to work. Well, wait a minute here. We're commanded to go to church on Sunday. But you're going to go work on Sunday. You're going to go against the God who provides for you instead of obeying God and trusting Him to provide for you. Now, wait a minute here. Your efforts are going to be frivolous. Your efforts are going to fall short. Your efforts are not going to yield what you want. I think of Malachi 3 where the people aren't tithing. And guess what? There are holes in the bottom of their back. You ever had a hole in your pocket? You ever had a hole in your pocket? And you put change in your pocket and you turn around and look behind you. And all of a sudden there's nickels and dimes and quarters and pennies. They're just dink, 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 hitting the ground there, falling out. And, and, and you know what? You put all the money in the world in, a, uh, in the form of coins in your pocket. And a little less, you just keep dropping money in there. And you know what? It's just going to keep hitting the ground behind you. And a lot of people, they go through life and uh, they're, they're working so hard to build their kingdom. But they're not doing it on the Lord's terms. And God says, let me just remind you, I'm the one that puts the fish in the net. I'm the one that puts the money in your bank account. And when you work against me, you might not catch anything. Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. When I was a little boy, I loved to play basketball. I remember my first time being on a team and playing team basketball with jerseys and referees. And I was so excited. They'd pass me the ball and I would just instantly just throw it up toward the rim. I'd just throw it up there. And I wouldn't, wouldn't make it anything, you know. And my attitude was they don't pass me the ball very often. So when I get it, i got to shoot, man. And when it was a good shot or a bad shot. It didn't matter. I was going to throw it up there. <coughs> I had the coach pull me to the side. And he said, you can't shoot the ball every time you get it. Then he said this. He said, let... The game come to you. If you'll pass the ball and you'll work it within the offense, you'll get shots that are natural. You know what I found is that if I will put the Lord's work first, then uh, the game comes to me and the Lord just takes care of my needs. You know what? Put the Lord first and he will provide just like he did for Peter. All right. Now, all that brings us to this right here. That was all recap from last week and really this is the apex of the message. This is where God is going to encourage a discouraged Peter. Peter's blown it. He is um Denied the Lord three times. He's so discouraged. Even though he has seen the resurrected Lord, that probably uh, actually dogpiled on him a little bit. 
And now the Lord's going to come along and try to encourage him. So we've looked at Peter's resignation. We've looked at Peter's reminder. Now, number three, let's look at Peter's restoration. Peter's restoration. Let's look at an A, B, and a C here. First, let's look at letter A, the emphasis on love. This is so good, so important, the emphasis on love. Look at verse 15. So we know that the Lord has gently reminded him of his calling, the catching of the fish, and He's reminded him of who's all-powerful. He's reminded him of who's the provider. Look at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Hey, you know, the Lord did not sit there with Peter and say, you rascal. You bum. What were you thinking when you denied me? Hey, all I poured into you and this is how you repay me? That wasn't what the Lord said. Nope. Nope. You know, the Lord didn't need to be hard on Peter. Because Peter had been plenty hard on himself. What Peter needed was to be reminded of the love relationship that they already had. You know, the driving motivator. Oh, this is so important. The driving motivator for why we serve God should never be anything other than He loves me and you. That's got to do it. Listen to me. So many people go to church for the wrong reason. They go to church to either earn God's love or earn the praise of man, or earn a pat on the back, or to earn some kind of approval, or to earn some kind of stripe. And you know what? If you're not just behaving in such a certain way, then all of a sudden you don't have that earned approval, and you give up and you quit. But when we are serving the Lord, not to earn God's love, but because we have God's love, That changes everything. It changes everything. How many times did Peter deny the Lord? Three times. How many times did the Lord ask Peter, Do you love me? Three times. The Bible says that Peter was grieved when he asked him the third time. You know why Peter was grieved? Because when he asked him the third time, the Lord said, I know Peter. I know how many times you denied me. Now tell me how many times you loved me. Tell me, Peter. Tell me. 
three times that you love me. Hey, Peter, this isn't about performance. This is about love. Hey, Peter, this isn't about how good you are. This isn't about how great you can be. This isn't about how perfect you can be. This is about, do you love me? Because if you love me, then pick yourself up off the snide and get yourself back in the game and get back to it and get back to serving me because you know what? You're going to fail again in the future, but you're not in this because of your performance. You're in this because I love you and you love me. Hey, Peter, take the emphasis on performance. Take the emphasis off being perfect. Put the emphasis on that love. Peter, Peter, do you love me? Now, there's what the Scripture says, and then there's maybe what I'm reading between the lines. But I believe that Peter is probably avoiding the Lord at this dinner. Because Peter knew that he and the Lord were not on good terms. You say, well, pastor, how how do you surmise that? Well, maybe it's just a little bit of my own life. But when I'm not on good terms with God, you know what I don't like to do? I don't like to pray. You know what? I kind of avoid praying when me and God aren't on the right terms. Am I alone or do you all maybe sometimes avoid prayer when you're not on the right terms of the Lord? Yeah. Okay. Um. I can see Peter getting his dish and he just kind of goes off, you know, in isolation, sits over on the side. He's got his plate of fish and bread and he's just kind of eating away. All the Jesus over there, the disciples are on the fire. and He's just kind of eating away. I can see the Lord. He finishes his with the other guys and makes his way over to Peter. And Peter's just looking at his plate, just kind of picking around his plate. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter doesn't pick his eyes up. He just keeps looking at his food. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Peter, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yea, Lord. Peter, Peter, look me in the eye. Peter, I want your eyes. Hey, Peter, do you love me? And I can see Peter grieved. I can see a tear well up in the corner of his eye. This rough, rugged fisherman. This man who had told the Lord, I'll go to the cross for you. I'll die for you. He denied the Lord three times. He's so built up with frustration and discouragement over his own uh, uh, fallings. A tear wells up of frustration in his eye. And he says, Yea, Lord, Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love Thee. Three times Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Get back in there, Peter. Not because of who you are. Not because what you have or haven't done. Not because you're some success or failure. Not because of, uh, of any of that. Get back in there because I love you and you love me. The emphasis on love. Let her be the importance of loyalty. The importance of loyalty. Now I find this just fascinating. Look down at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, now look at this, Simon, of, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now that is interesting. 
the word these is a pronoun. And when you look at a pronoun, you, you have to look for the noun that it is describing. Now, the noun that it is describing is not uh, clear in this chapter. It's hard to know what these are. But can I give you a couple of possibilities, all right? Look with me back. <coughs> excuse me. Look with me back at, um, at verse number two. Who was the these, or what was the these? Lovest thou me more than these? Uh, there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other of his disciples. So here Jesus is speaking, and I think the reason why the, the pronoun there is unclear is because Jesus pointed at whatever the these is. And so Jesus says to Peter, do you love me more than these? He could have been pointing at the other disciples. Do you love me more than you love these men? Do you love me more than you love these men? Oftentimes we put our eyes on men instead of putting our eyes on the Lord. And we fall in love with people more than we fall in love than their, with, than their Creator. We love our family more than we love our God. We put our family ahead of God. Our family becomes God. Maybe you're a leader here at the church over a ministry. And you fall in love with the people in that ministry more than you fall in love with God. I've seen churches split because someone gets sideways with the church, or with the pastor, or, or even with the Lord. And the next thing you know, they're in the flesh and they lead their people, their people as though they own them uh, in a bad direction. I had someone come to me and say, Pastor Luzerne, if you ever change your theology on salvation, what would you do? Would you lead the church into that uh, a different belief? I said, no, I would resign the church and I would go pastor a different church that already believed what I believe. I would not hurt this church uh, with that. And you know what? You all don't belong to me. My name's on the sign out front of the church. My name's on the tracks. I'm the pastor of the church. I've been called to shepherd and lead this church, but I am not. I don't own anybody here. You all belong to the Lord. And we need to be reminded whether you're shepherding a family or shepherding a ministry uh, or, or shepherding hearts at work. Uh, listen, you're not to love people more than you love God. And so the Lord looked at Peter and he said, lovest thou me more than these? And possibly he was uh, uh, talking to the disciples. Let me give you another possibility I think might actually uh, be it. Now this would be, when he said these, this is, this is what I, I think he's probably pointing to. Look with me at verse number 10. Now, uh, Jesus saith unto them, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Now, hold on here. This is interesting. The Lord did not cook up the fish that they caught. When they got to land, the fish had already been prepared. Now, whether Jesus caught them himself or bought them at market. We don't know where Jesus got the fish. But these were not the fish that he cooked up. In fact, look at verse 9. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. So he did not cook up the fish caught in the net out in the water. Yet Jesus still instructed that the fish be brought in the land. So the Lord says, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Look at verse 11. Simon Peter, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and 150 and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. So they could have left the net uh, with the fish in them out in the water, but no, uh, secured, but no, Jesus said, I want you to bring those fish 
out onto the land. So while all the other men are getting their plate served, Peter is out there and he's pulling this net of 153 fishes in off in out of the water and onto the land. And so after the fish are secured on the land, Peter then go gets his plate from the Lord's fish fry and he makes his way over and eats. And Jesus asks him, Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than these? It is quite possible that he was not pointing at the other disciples. He was pointing at the fish. Peter, do you love me more than you love these fish? Peter, those fish represent an income. Peter, those fish represent your former livelihood. Peter, those fish represent your old lifestyle. Peter, do you love me more than you love those fish? Peter had to look at the fish. He had quit serving God to go back and catch fish. And God wanted to know one thing. Peter, where does your loyalty lie? Are you more loyal to fish than you are to me? And I would say this, again, that fish represented money. I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you more loyal to making money than you are to the Lord? Are you more money, are you more loyal to some other source than you are to God? God said to Peter, hey Peter, you quit to go back to fishing. Do you love me more than you love these? Turn over to Philippians chapter 1. And Paul had a completely different attitude, and I believe Peter, Peter got there as a result of this conversation. But I just love uh, Paul's spirit in Philippians chapter number 1. I have said over and over again that the book of Philippians is my favorite book of the Bible, and it's become that over the last few years. Because in my time of discouragement or my time of struggle, I have turned to the book of Philippians many a times to study it and to try to understand it and use it to help me to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, and a better pastor. Look at Philippians 1, look at verse 21. Here's what Paul had to say about living life. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And in this chapter, in this verse, Paul is is torn. Do I want to die or do I want to live? Do I want to stay here for the benefit of you or do I just want to go home and, and be with the Lord in heaven? And then he makes this conclusive statement. He says, for me to live is Christ. He said, if I'm going to breathe air in and out of my lungs through this flesh on earth, then I'm going to live and everything I do is going to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, but if I die, then I get to go on home with the Lord and gain heaven for me to live is Christ and to die is gain and turn over to chapter 3 and verse number 10 we referenced this verse on Sunday morning here Uh, he says here that I may know him that's the end goal is to know the Lord that's where our loyalty lies that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death and he he said I want to know the Lord now there's a couple of ways in which you can know something or someone. There is a academic knowledge. Amen? I have an academic knowledge of several sports players because I am a sports fan. Alright? You ask me about Michael Jordan. I can tell you a lot about Michael Jordan. I grew up in the 90's watching Michael Jordan win his six championships and I've got a lot of facts down about why I believe he's the greatest ever to play the game of basketball. But if you were to ask me, do I know 
Michael Jordan, I don't know Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan didn't know me. If I, met, if I ran into him on the street, I'd know who he was because I'd recognize him, but I don't know anything about him personally. And if he were to run into me, he wouldn't know my name. He wouldn't know anything about me. And you know what Paul said here? I don't just want to know academically the Lord. He said, I want to intimately, emotionally, socially, I want to know the Lord. That's my, where my loyalty lies. I want to know, he said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to experience the power of the Lord on my life. He said, but I want to know him so well that I know the fellowship of his suffering. I'm willing to be loyal to him through the good times and the bad. I'm willing to be loyal to him when it's easy and when it's hard. I want to be loyal to the Lord. I'll say this lastly before we move on to letter C. It's, it's easy to be loyal to somebody or something when things are going good. Amen? I can be loyal to my wife when she is just in love with me. Amen? Cooks me big breakfasts and makes me nice dinners. And I wake up and my French press coffee sitting right there. And it's easy to be loyal to my wife when I, you know, I get that kind of treatment. But how about when she's been sick for a month and, you know, maybe a little grouchy and, um, you know, maybe not quite as sweet and that coffee's not quite there as often. And now I'm having to maybe wash my own clothes because she's sick and I'm making up a hypothetical here, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Can I be loyal to my wife when things aren't as hunky-dory. You know, the thing about God is He's always good to us, but sometimes we ebb and flow in our own walk with Him, and we're to be loyal to the Lord through good times and bad. Amen? Not to earn His love, but because we have it. Letter C, knows lastly here, Peter's restoration. The Lord emphasizes to Peter, He says, you, you need to serve out of love. He said, you need to stay loyal to me over these things. Letter C, we see the value of staying locked in. The value of staying locked in. Go back to John 21. Look at verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands. Another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Verse 19. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. When he had spoken this, he saith unto him, notice those two words, Follow me. Now, I'm going to look at verse 20 in just a moment. He says to Peter, he says, I know you denied me, Peter. I know you denied me. Now, he doesn't say that directly, but he does indirectly. And he says, Peter, let me encourage you. You remember how you had said to me back in the upper room that you were willing to follow me to the death? He said, Peter, one day you will follow me to the death. One day... You will be bound and carried away against your will. One day you will die by way of crucifixion. And history tells us that Peter didn't die on an ups upside down on a cross. He died crucified upside down on a cross. And he requested to be crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy enough to die in the same way Jesus had. And he says to Peter, hey Peter, I know you let me down. Hey, but Peter... I know the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning, and I know that you're going to you're going to be carried away and you're going to die against your will. Look at verse 21. Peter, <laughs> classic Peter, foot and mouth disease, open mouth, insert foot. 
Um, instead of just, you know, stick putting his head down and saying, okay, Lord, I'll follow you. Look at verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John. Following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, uh, which is he that betrayeth thee? Verse 20 is just uh, uh, to give us context of who this is. It's John, John the, the, John the Revelator, John the Apostle. 21, Peter, uh, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What about him? <laughs> hey, now's not the time to ask that question. You know, the Lord is just, he's affirming you back into the work. And you're wiping the tears out of your eyes, probably. And you, what about him, Lord? 22, Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is it to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that this disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said uh, not unto him. He shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is like, you know, me saying to one of my children, hey, I want you to do this. And, and then, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you this. And, and then my, one of my child's children says to me, what about, what about him or what about her? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking to you about your sister or your brother. I'm talking to you about you. I want you to listen to me. Now, this is so good. Some years ago, I was sitting with a pastor friend of mine, and he said this to me. He said, you know, he said, you know, Pastor Lejeune, I've read the Bible through many times. He said, very interesting. No one in the Bible, no two people in the Bible, rather, follow the same path through the Christian life. Every person in the Bible has their own journey with the Lord. He said, one mistake I think we make is we try to push people into a mold to follow a plan that we have for them. He said, but God never takes two people on the same path. Hey, Peter, don't worry about John. He's going to go down a different path than you. I want you to walk your path and I want you to follow me. And you let John follow me the way I want John to follow me. Hey, you know what we need to learn? We need to learn to lock our eyes on Jesus and we don't need to worry about anybody else around us. Hey, you know what? Your path to render is going to be different than Rose's path. And Rose, you share the same name with this lady right here. But you two are going to have two different paths through life. And you two are married to each other. But you, even though you're married to each other, you have a little bit different path through life. And you know what? Jake, your path is going to be a little bit different than Callie's path and Mike's path and, and Nate's path and Juliet's path and Adolfo's path. We all have a different path we're going to walk. And you know what happens is we lock our eyes on our brother or sister in the Lord. And when, when, when they fall off, we get discouraged. Or when they seem to excel, we get jealous. Or when someone else falls down a little bit, uh, maybe we, 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 we feel uh, better than them. But you know what we need to do? We need to lock our eyes on Jesus and we need to follow the Lord all the way until we reach the author and finisher of our faith. We need to stay locked in. Now, we're going verse by verse to the book of John and to get the whole thing in here. Let's look at the last three verses. These are good here. There's a little bit of, um, uh, just a little bit more here to cover. and We'll, we'll wrap it up. 23. Then went this saying, oh, rather verse 24. Um, this is the disciple which testified of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Verse 25 is a fascinating verse. Look here. There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written to every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Now, I, I, have, uh, I have read that verse, I, I don't know, a hundred times in my life, and every time I read it, I, I get this image of just the world being filled with books until it's overflowing into outer space. And, 
you know, is that what John meant? Is, is, he, is he being exaggeratory on purpose? Is he being sincere? Here's what I'll say about that. If every work that Jesus has ever done on planet Earth, from the beginning of time to now, or to the end of time, was recorded in a book, the world would literally not be able to contain all of the books that recorded everything that Jesus did here on earth. Because that's how personally involved Jesus is in our lives. Amen? He wants you to follow Him. Not because this is some performance-based thing. You know what? I'll wrap it up with this. If you haven't already done so, you will fell the Lord at some point in your Christian life. And you know what? Those failures might even seem to grab hold of you and just follow you through time. His grace is sufficient one day to the next. You lock your eyes on the Lord Jesus and you serve Him because He loves you and you love Him. And that's all you need to serve the Lord. Amen? Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth us, and let's let the love of Christ drive us forward. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. I hope the Bible study was an encouragement to you tonight. If you have thought about giving up and walking away from your faith, or giving up walking away from serving the Lord, get back in the fight. The Lord loves you, and He wants to know that you love Him. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's ask God to encourage discouraged hearts and send us forth to love Him and serve Him. journey I feel lost and 